Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Hi, welcome. We are in part three today. Are you guys ready? Ready or not? Here we go. If you have your Bibles, will you please open them up to the Song of All Psalms, the Song of Song. We're going to look at chapter four today, chapter four of Song of Songs. And I'm really excited. what we're doing, we're in a series, as Marie mentioned, called Kiss Me. And our key verse is chapter 1, is where we got the name of the series from, verse 2, where it says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for his love is more delightful than wine. So if you have your Bibles, you can look up chapter... All right, great. So, chapter 4. Wow. I um, want to tell you, where, where should I go with this as we start? So... Um, let, let me tell you where we're at. So we're looking in this book, Song of Songs, and what it is is there's a couple that they've looked back at this at their life, and they have experienced an amazing marriage, and they decided that they're going to write a book in a poetic form about this amazing marriage that they've been experiencing, right? And the reason why it's so amazing is because they're saying, look, if God was actually in physical form walking on this earth, you, my partner, or you, my spouse, would look like that. Because we're experiencing this relationship that is godlike. It's godlike. It's amazing. And so what they decided to do was to share that with us. They, they, they looked back at their life and they saw some things that they thought, man, these are godlike qualities. This is why we're experiencing God so much and why this ama- relationship is so amazing. It's it, We're going to explain these qualities of how we got here throughout the book. So where we're at today, excuse me, is in chapter 4. We're kind of moving on along along the book. And in chapter 4, we're no longer at the wedding. We already talked about the wedding last week. Some of you that were here, you heard Marie and I's story of our our love story. We got to share because very similar to chapter 2 of Song of Songs and chapter 3. And so today we're in chapter 4. And what's going on in chapter 4 is, 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 is very interesting. It's actually after the wedding, and it's on their honeymoon. So we get to be, you guys, today, the fly on the wall. We get to, to see, to see and hear what is going on on their honeymoon night. It's juicy today. It is super juicy. So before we go there, I want to lay a little foundation about what... Um, traditional Hebrew weddings were like. So in case you didn't know, uh, there was the priests, right? He's the one doing the, the wedding, so imagine them the priest. And then you have the groom and you have the bride. And the groom always lined up, you guys, I don't know if this is stage right, so maybe maybe you'll be able to help me out, but it's on this side. So is that stage right? It's for you guys, you're right, for me and my left. But anyways, always on this side, and it's still true today. And the bride is always on this side. Now, why was that the case? The reason it was the case is because if you were the groom, pretend I'm the groom, his right hand was free. And so his job was to protect the bride in case of an enemy would come and try to attack the bride. He had his right hand free so he could unsheath the sword and protect his bride with his life. And so in this particular story, this particular couple scholars, I did a lot of studying on this. And uh, scholars agree that this particular couple was a huge wedding. They had 60 bridesmaids 
and 60 groomsmen. So that's, you do the math, that's 100, help me out, you mathematicians, 120 plus the bride and the groom and the priests, that's 120. Three people in the wedding party alone, let alone all the guests that were invited. It was a huge, I mean, I'm sure they had several wedding planners, but it was probably very hectic and stressful, right? And so now what would happen though? See, the priest would do the wedding ceremony, and then at some point during the ceremony, as is true today, they would face, they would turn, and the priest would ask them to face everybody. So they would, so they're like this, and then all of a sudden they're like this. And what happens to his right hand? His right hand becomes interlocked with his bride, and his bride gets to put his her hand on his 24-inch pythons. For mine, it would be like three-inch pythons right there. But anyway, right there, feel that strong arm, and they would be interlocked. So his right hand no longer is available for defense of his bride. So whose turn is it to defend the bride? It's no longer the groom's. It now becomes the wedding party and all of the friends and family that were invited. They would defend the couple with their life against any physical attack from an enemy. But not just, as tradition tells us, not just physical, but also any kind of verbal attack. So if anybody would speak ill of them, they would not allow it. As a matter of fact, they were, not, they were only allowed to speak well of the couple. They could only speak well of the couple. And they had to pray for the couple as well. I think it's so rich, the tradition there. And so all, everybody, nobody could speak bad, no, no cursing the couple. Everybody had to bless the couple, speak well, and pray for them. It became everybody's responsibility. Now, after the wedding would happen, what would happen is that the couple would go into a room called the hoopa, the hoopa, right? And the hoopa is where all the magic would happen, supposedly, right? So the hoopa is this room where even the wedding guests, wedding party, they would hang out because the room was either in a house where everybody was nearby or somewhere where everybody could hang out. So they were either in the house or outside of the house waiting. What were they waiting for? Well, that wedding night, there was a towel that was placed on the bed. And the bride and the groom would come together, consummate their marriage. And just like in any consummation marriage, there is a covenant. But in the Old Testament, it had to be with blood. It was a blood covenant. So what would happen is everybody's waiting with anxiety. So the ceremony just happened. They go into the room. He carries her across the threshold, lays down the towel. They make love. And then they're waiting, waiting until the groom takes the towel, he sticks it out the window, and he waves it at everybody with the stain, the red blood stain, to show everybody the marriage has been consummated, the marriage covenant is there, we can celebrate now. How many of you are glad nobody's waiting outside of your, <laughs> on your honeymoon night for a towel, right? Nobody's like, but what happens after that is seven days of celebration. They're just a party. Yes, they got married. They consummated. Yes, so everybody, including the, everybody, the guests, the bride party, everybody is celebrating this huge event for seven days. It's pretty. So I wanted to share with you, that's the backdrop of what we're looking at in chapter four. Okay. And so today's message is called the descent and the ascent. And so we're going to look right in our Bibles. Are you guys ready for this? Chapter 4, we're going to start right at verse 1. And we're going to talk about great godly sex. How do we have great 
godly sex. Man, this is going to be fun. All right, so how do we have great godly sex? Well, if you're taking notes, I, I think I mentioned that you can take notes on your, on your electronic or you can grab the card here in the seat pocket in front of you. You can also take notes there or in addition to everything else that we're talking about. So uh, let me just say too, before we jump into verse one, I have here in my notes a little warning. So I told you I studied a lot about this topic and commentaries. And one of my go-to commentary guys, his name is F.F. Bruce. I love him. I think he's very reliable, has a lot of truth. He tells in this, about chapter four, he says, this is not a very appropriate chapter to talk about on a Sunday morning. He said, actually, I advise you not talk about chapter four. Don't think it's appropriate. So I have to say, even though he's my go-to guy today, I'm gonna disagree. And I believe what the scriptures teach us in 2 Timothy that says that all scripture is profitable for, for teaching, for rebuking, for training, for disciplining onto righteousness so that the servant of God, that includes you and you and you, may be fully equipped for every good work is what the scriptures teach. So that's why we're looking at this today. So number one is how do we have godly, great sex? You ready? Number one is it starts outside. How many of you knew that? It starts outside. Outside what? It starts outside of the actual moment of intercourse. It starts long before you even get there. Long before the wedding night, long before the bride, the 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 wedding, the the room, the, the the room, long before that, it starts way before that. Now, the guy in this story gets it. He totally gets it. He gets it. As a matter of fact, he doesn't lay a finger on her in chapter 4 until verse 11. So he waits a very, very long time to even touch her. So he understands that great godly sex starts way before this. Now, unfortunately, in our day and age, guys have a little bit of trouble understanding that. We have a little bit of trouble understanding that it starts way, way before. Let's look at verse 1 in chapter 4. It says this. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves, he says. Your hair is a flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead. He said, babe, your hair is like a flock of goats from Mount Gilead. I think that we need to explain that a little bit because if any of us tried to that move today, I don't know how much it would fly. So let me explain what he's saying there. What he's saying there is that in those times, everybody knew that these black goats had the most beautiful hair in the region. They were the most popular black goats in the region, had the longest beautiful hair. And so what he's saying in the Hebrew would be translated today as, babe, you look like you just came out of the beauty salon. You look like Paul Mitchell just did your hair. You got beat out so soon all over you, girl. You look great. I love, I love your hair. It's so shiny. You're like beauty salon woman right now. That's what he's saying there. Okay, you guys get it? He's saying that. Now let's look at verse 2. This is rich. This, is, I think, is one of the greatest compliments in the Bible. He says, your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn, coming up from the washing. Each has its twin. Not one of them is alone. Don't you love this? I love this. What, what is he saying? He's saying, you've got all your teeth. I mean, they're just everywhere. 
You got one on this side, and it looks, there's another one that looks just like it over here. Oh my goodness, you guys, you have to understand that in this day and age, without a dentist, that's a huge accomplishment to have all your teeth. And so he's praising God. You have amazing teeth. This is good. God is here. And so you can only imagine in this day and age without a dentist how it would look, all right? So what is he doing? He's complimenting her. He's romancing her. He's building her up long before he touches her. Outside of the moment, number one, great godly sex begins, everybody say outside. Outside, outside before he even touches her. And gentlemen, we would be wise to learn from this. That great godly sex starts outside of laying a finger on her. Marie has helped me with this. Helped me tremendously to understand that it's the little things, not the big things, that matter. That fill that emotional tank all week long, all day long. That I'm just, it, it, it just, I'm filling her tank. And then it makes her physical expression of love a natural overflow. That is, it's a delight to give instead of a duty to give anymore, right? And so what she has helped me to understand is that is that these little things, I think are little, are big deals for her. Can someone say baby steps? Baby. They're big deals, they're big deals. It's the phone call in the middle of the day that says, hey babe, you have some time to FaceTime right now? Do you have some, I would love to just see your beautiful face. Oh, okay. Hey babe, what are you doing right now? I just called you in the middle of the day. Uh, I'm really busy, what do you need? Nothing, I just wanted to hear your voice. Really, that's all? Yes, you don't want anything? No, I just wanted to say hi, that's it. It's the little things that you're you're filling the emotional tank, right? You're, you're, you're the one that's like, you bring something home. You pick up food so she doesn't have to cook if it's her turn to cook. It's a big deal, picking up around the house, right? Doing the dishes and cleaning the rack, the, the, the dirt, the clean dishes, taking it off the rack or the dishwasher and putting them in the right place. And I've been learning that putting them in the exact place that she likes it is important, right? It's a big deal. Picking up, you know, on your way home, picking up the prescription at the CVS so she doesn't have to pick it up. These little things that, that we may consider just no big deal, but to them, it's a big deal. I don't know why, but evidently it is. Changing the diapers. So they don't have to do it. Doing the nightly routine, the best, you know, the evening jobs that we all have to do fills the emotional tank, and it makes for great lovemaking when it starts outside of the touch. Another trick that I've learned over the years it's taken me a little while is a concept called non-sexual touching. I know some of us in this room are like, what, what, what? What is that? Does that even exist? Like, what's the point of non, what's the point of that? I, I don't get it, yes. It's a real term, I wanna tell you. And let me explain what that is, non-sexual touching. It's making, I'm not making this up. This has, has touching with no strings attached. It's simply the caress. You go up behind her as she's cooking and you just touch her shoulders softly and that's it. And she's looking at you like, that's it. And you're like, yeah, I just wanted to tell you I'm thinking about you. It's this non-sexual touching. It starts outside of the actual physical moment. Watch how he compliments her. And notice that he doesn't just say, hey, babe, come over here. Come out. You know, I want to get some right now. You know, he doesn't say that, right? He compliments her very specifically. He says this in verse 3. Your lips are like scarlet ribbon, and your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind the veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. 
No, this is before Botox. Let me explain what he's saying, right? He's saying, you are flushed, you're red, your cheeks are rosy, you're like full of passion, you're lovely, you're excited, I love this. He's, he's building her up, he's romancing her long before outside of the moment he actually touches her. So great godly sex, help me out, number one, starts where? Outside, outside of the actual moment, way before the bedroom. Number two, we need to embrace this truth, that great godly sex is gentle and slow. We are tender, not to be confused with tinder, tender, T-E-N-D-E-R. Look at verse five. Listen to what gentle looks like in this verse. He says, your two breasts are like two fawns, like two fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. Now, in case you're wondering what a gazelle is, we have a picture of two gazelles, I mean two fawns. They're coming up on the big screen behind me. Let me talk to the guys for just a moment. As you can see, these are two baby deers. Could have said that, right? So if you are going to approach two baby deers, how do you approach them? Very what? Gently, carefully, slowly. Because if I just jump out, Wah! what are the two baby fawns going to do? Run away. They're going to run. And so that is what I'm trying to explain to us today. That great godly sex is gentle. It's soft. It's careful. It's slow. That's how it is. We need to recover this, gentlemen, this art of gentleness in marriage. Speaking of that. If you allow me just to speak directly to a common question I've gotten actually recently, and it happens to be when a partner, what happens when a partner in marriage wants to creatively express their love in ways that another is not comfortable with? For example, one spouse may have broader parameters of what they consider acceptable than the other one. The other one says, well, I'm not really comfortable with that. You guys, great lovemaking is gentle. It is slow. It is tender. You always respect your spouse. Everybody say, respect the spouse. If your spouse feels uncomfortable with something, please do not push them into doing something that makes them feel uncomfortable or cheap or used. Okay? Can everybody say yes? Great godly lovemaking starts long outside, long before the bedroom, and it is gentle, it's considerate, it is tender. Number three, now I wanna tell you, I found six qualities in chapter four. We're gonna cover three today so we can be in depth. Next week, we're gonna cover the last three, so make sure you come here next week. But this, and I, I, I great godly lovemaking can also be, and hopefully it is often, and that is intense, great, Godly lovemaking is intense. It's craving. It's passionate. Look what verse 6 says. And I love this. He says, until the day breaks and the shadows flee. What is he saying? What is he saying? Until the day breaks and the shadows flee. Well, all right. So in the words of the great Alabama 
Oh, Alabama's own Blackberry Manilow, also known his nickname as Skeet. In case you don't know, you may also know him as Lionel Richie. He has a song. We're going to play it for you because you don't want me to sing it. Why don't you play it for us, Stephanie? You guys promised me you were going to start dancing in the back. All right, there you go. I don't know about you, but I can worship to this song right here. I can worship. It'll make me pray. I'm telling you, God, please help me to honor you in this worship of my of this moment with my wife, God, all night. I mean, it just makes me want to sing, pray, everything you can think of. This is what the writer is saying. He's saying, all night long, I will go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense. And I will not explain that part to you. You will have to figure that last part out, okay? This is a very intense verse. And so what's interesting to me is if you look at all the historical writings in this time, when this book was written, you look at all the historical writings, most of all of them, almost all of them, have, whenever they talk about sex, it's all about the purpose of procreation. Not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. Not once in this book of the Song of Songs do you ever see them talking about making love for the purpose of making kids. It's not. You know what it's in there for? For pleasure, for joy, for, 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 for this unbelievable experience, this God-like experience. Isn't that interesting? Nowhere do you see that you have to make love to have kids. Instead, this is just raw, clean, holy, intense, craving, passionate lovemaking between a husband and a wife. And I want to say recover that intensity. Recover that intensity. Can everybody say, just do it? <laughs> One more time, just do it. What I find so interesting often is that as newlyweds, you know, lovemaking can be so intense and passionate. And then, you know, where you should be growing together deeply and in richness over the years, many couples lose the intensity and the passion. Why is that? Because life happens, right? We all know this. Life happens. We get distracted. We get busy. We get kids, right? We get stressful jobs, we get house payments and car payments, and we lose the priority of the marriage. Gentlemen, intensify your lovemaking by romancing her at first. Take her out to dinner. Buy her a flower. One tip I learned. She doesn't need 12 anymore. It means the same thing as one. Save your money. I learned that. 12 or 1. She just thinks the thought is what counted, right? It's, and I hate to be cheap, but I'm just trying to be real, right? Open the door for her, right? Compliment her. Let her do something that is out of the ordinary, out of her routine, where she gets to do something she doesn't, uh, you know, the, the normal job she has to do. No, no, babe, go do that. That's important for me that you do that. Believe me, it's important for me that you do that. Go do that, go do that, go do that. Turn the candles on. When she comes home, do dinner, romance her. Some of you, you're going, man, we can't even afford dinner. What are you talking about, go out to dinner? I can't do that. 
Hey, I understand, we understand that there's moments where it's not in the budget, right? You've already used all your, your money to go out. You don't have any more money. You gotta get creative in those times. We get creative, my wife and I, we get very creative in those times. Every now and then, you know, I'll come up to the boys and I'll say, you guys, tonight is a special night. And they'll look at me, really? I say, yes, we're gonna watch Despicable Me 3 tonight. And the boys are looking at me like, you never let us watch TV during the week. What are you talking about? I'm like, I told you, tonight is a special night, as a matter of fact. Really? And they're like, what, 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 what is it? Um, we're celebrating waffles tonight. Really? Yes, Poppy's doing dinner tonight. You guys are having waffles tonight and Despicable Me 3. And a little whipped cream on the waffles, too. Yeah, it's a special night tonight. And they're just super excited. Marie and I will go upstairs and we're like, that means we got about 30 minutes. It's go time, man. Let's do this, right? Before they come upstairs, start knocking on the door, asking us questions. Where are you? Where are you? We're like, all right, let's go. 30 minutes. That's all we got. Max, right? And it's worked well for us. We've, we've done this many times. Despicable Me 3. As a matter of fact, whenever we, you know, I thank God for Netflix. That's the best 1288, 1188, whatever investment a month that we have. And so, you know, it's gotten so bad that whenever we, we hear the music from Despicable Me 3, Marie and I look at each other like we, we want to go make out right now. We're like, you know, the house. And that has worked out pretty well, except, uh, except for that one time we were in Target and we heard the song. And then we were looking at each other and I was like, don't bite that lip, don't bite that lip. All right, so. It's intense, you guys. Great, godly lovemaking is intense. Can somebody say yes? Yes. So maybe at this moment, a lot of people are sitting back going, Oh man, did we ever mess up? Oh man, I am in bad shape right now. A lot of people didn't start off that way that Marie and I started off. You guys heard our love story last week. And one of the things that we wanted to say that we kind of ran out of time, we didn't get a chance to, we wanted to, and now I'm gonna get to, is to tell you that, you know, um, without Christ, quite frankly, we would not have started off this way. We would be, in a very different shape. We would have started out just like most everybody else. So right now, there may be a lot of guilt and a lot of confusion in the house today. And I wanna address that. I wanna take all of our needs, all of our hurts, all of our concerns, all of our cares to Him right now in prayer. And so would you all just bow your heads with me, let's pray. Jesus, we just need you to do that which only you can do right now. And so as you take a moment to pray, I want everybody just to hang tight right where you are. Nobody looking around. And a very, very serious, I'm going to ask you in a minute, if you will allow me. And I, I, I want to pray for you in this area as I... I ask you to, I want you to hear this in a broad way. And it could be anything. It could be that you're not married and you've messed up or you're messing up right now and you want forgiveness and you want to start over. And it's what I like to call a born-again virgin. Many of my friends have adopted that concept. That's what they call themselves. Maybe right now you've been toying with homosexuality. 
And you need to be set free from that. Maybe for you, you have stepped outside the boundaries of your marriage and you're in an adultery right now. And you need to confess it to God. You need to confess it to your spouse. And you need counseling. You need to throw yourself on the mercy of God and let Him heal that which you've stepped into. Maybe you're addicted to pornography. Maybe you're addicted to masturbation. Maybe you've invited some things into your marriage that you should not, should not be there sexually. It is time that you let the presence of Christ bring healing. Maybe for you, you're married and your marriage is more dead than it is alive and there's really no intimacy. And you need emotional intimacy and relational intimacy and spiritual intimacy so that physical intimacy will be an overflow and a result of all the other kinds of intimacy that you're lacking. Maybe you're just in a rut. Life happened. And your marriage got put on the side and you need help. You need God to do what only He can do to renew that intensity. Maybe you need to initiate. Maybe you need to initiate not sexually but relationally. Maybe you need to repent of sin. Whatever it is. And it could be anything. Those of you that are saying, oh yeah, Pastor Abdi, would you pray for me in this area? I need your prayers. More so, I need God's help. If that's your prayer today, would you just simply stand with me right now all over this place? Just no one looking around. Just stand up all over this place with me this moment. We're going to pray. I see some people standing. I'm going to pray this moment. God, in your presence, we seek you. And we pray for your forgiveness. God, for all of our filthy sin, we pray that you would forgive us. God, we pray for your freedom that you would set us free from the bondages of sexual addiction and impurity. God, set us free. God, we pray for our friends that that we meet with in our small groups throughout the week, that, that, that we would be very transparent, that we would open up, that, that we'd be vulnerable as we confess our sins and our needs to one another, and we pray for each other. God, we pray and we thank you that, that we will be healed. God, I pray a prayer of supernatural faith for marriages that are struggling and even dying right now. That you would infuse your new life, your new hope. God, rebuild trust. God, impart your forgiveness that we may learn to forgive one another. God, I pray for humility, openness, transparency, confession, brokenness. God, break us that we would trust you first and that we would be willing to be vulnerable with those around us. God, give us hope. God, for those who've been burned and are so bitter and don't know how to trust, God, help us to trust. To trust you first. And then learn to trust your people again. God, wherever there is impurity, cleanse us. Wherever there's guilt, God, heal us. Wherever there's brokenness, God, make us new. We trust you, God. We call on your name, Jesus. Bring new life. Bring your freedom. Bring your healing, God, in this moment. And as you continue to pray, just this whole subject makes me acutely aware of my own sinfulness. And let me just tell you what Jesus said, in case you're not aware of speaking of sexual stuff in nature. Jesus said, if any man has ever looked lustfully at a woman, just to look. Just a thought, a lustful look. He says that man has already committed adultery in his heart. 
Can you imagine? That's how holy God is and that's how unholy we are. That reveals our sin nature, our greatest problem. Our sin separates us from a holy God. And yet God in His love and mercy, He became one of us in His Son, Jesus. Jesus was tempted. He was tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin. He shed innocent blood on a cross so that we might be forgiven. And he was raised on the third day, and scripture teaches us the truth that whoever calls on his name, no matter what you've done, no matter how dark your past is, no matter how dark the stain of sin in your life is, all of your sins would be forgiven, washed away. As if they never happened. You become a brand new creation. The new birth. Spiritually born into creation. Into the family of God. If you could do it any other way. If you could be made right with God any other way. Jesus wouldn't have had to die for you. Jesus gave his life for you so that you could live for him. And there are those of you here at this moment, you're aware that you are a sinner as I am. Your sin has separated you from God and the only way to be, to be made right is to put your faith in the risen Son. He will make you new. Those of you who say, yeah, I need that. I need Jesus to be the Savior of my life. Forgive me. Be first. Wash me. This is your moment. Say yes to Him. Say yes to Him right now. Say yes. <laughs> if that's you today, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand with me right now. Just lift it up. Lift it up high. I want to see that hand. I see that hand in the back. God bless you. I just want to meet you eye to eye. I see that hand in the back. God bless you. I see that hand up here in the front. God bless you. I see that hand in the middle over here. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. You can put them down. Anyone else in this section over here? God bless you guys. Anyone else? I see that hand. Yes, God bless you. Hands going up. We praise God for that. And we want to pray in this moment. I want to invite everybody to pray this prayer with me. God is transforming people's lives right now as we pray, you guys. He's bringing a transformation to people. Never the same again. Let's pray this prayer together, you guys. Pray this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father. Say, Heavenly Father, I need you in my life. I am a sinner, and I need forgiveness. Jesus, be my Savior. Wash me clean. Make me new. Thank you for dying for me, so I can live for you. I believe that you are first in my life. As my Savior and as my Lord. Set me free so I can please you. Thank you for new life. In Jesus' name I pray. Would you all worship God with me and thank God for this moment. Let's clap our hands, guys. Amen. If you're here today. And you said that prayer for the very first time. Marie mentioned earlier this Connect card. I just want to invite you to fill this Connect card out, you guys. Fill it out. Put your